So we're picking up on the dialogue of what we're calling the beginning, which is simply talking about what it is to be saved, what it is to actually know Jesus and be born again. Something that has amazed me in some 30 years of walking with God now of how many people I've met that go to church and did not know what it was to be saved. They didn't know what it was to be born again. And I would ask people, have you ever been born again? And they would look at me and say, well, what's that? And I'd think, wait a minute, you come here every week, sometimes for years, and you've never heard of that idea of what it is to actually be born again. Because Jesus said a profound thing we're going to look at in a few minutes. He said in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 3, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there is nothing more defining than that. Unless we're born again, the kingdom of God is a no-go. We will never be in it. We'll never see it. We'll never perceive it. We will not know what it is. We won't have a clue about what it is. And the sad thing is, is that church can have an ongoing mode of religious experience and bypass the whole reason God ever sent his son. Let that sink in for a moment. We can come to church week after week and never know why Jesus ever really came. He was a good teacher. He was a good man. He said some good things. There were some things we should learn from him. I need a, something to speak to me to make me feel better. I travel on airplanes a lot, and I talk to people about their church experiences, and they say, you know, I need to go some week and be lifted up and just a short talk to help me face the week, you know, and to sort of encourage me. And I think that is not the point. We don't go to church to get a, like a little pep talk. We learn the Word of God so we can become disciples of the Lord and follow Jesus and have a relationship with Him so He leads and, and guides us in this life by His Lordship over our lives so that we are following Him and not just doing our own thing, thinking we know Him. And so being born again is critical. So we look at these notes on the tables. It says conversion, listen to this, is turning from sin, that's repentance, and turning to Christ in faith. It is our willing response to the gospel call in which we repent of sins and place our trust in Christ for salvation. That is an, an amazing statement. Listen to that. To be saved, to really be a person that has a relationship with God, there is a sincere turning away from evil. Now, some people have enough reality living in them to know that I cannot be a hypocrite and say that I know God and live in darkness. One of the reasons I refuse to call myself a Christian up until the time I really surrendered my life to Christ isn't because I didn't understand that I needed to be born again. It was because I could not repent of sin because I still wanted it. When I say I still wanted it, I, meant, I didn't mean I still struggled with it from time to time. I mean, I did not want to serve God. I wanted to be evil. I enjoyed drinking. I enjoyed smoking dope. I enjoyed doing drugs. I enjoyed living in an evil lifestyle. And I thought, you know what? I just don't have the strength to turn away from that. Thank God the power of God came to my life and spoke to me and said, I am calling you out of darkness and my spirit is coming upon you to rescue you from this. You now need to turn to me and ask me to forgive you and repent of the wickedness you've lived in. When that moment came, I was born again. Up until that time, I was someone who attended church. Attending church and being born again are not the same thing, right? So he says right here in the first point, knowledge is not enough. So that passage... In Romans 10, 14, if you have Bibles with you, it'd be a good thing to just flip through these on your devices and take a look at this. Listen, this is an amazing statement. How then will they call upon him in whom they have not believed? I cannot have a relationship with God where I really pray if I don't have a relationship through faith and repenting from sin. Now, that doesn't mean that in my lost state and being in darkness, if I prayed, 
God wouldn't act. To say that God has no inner workings with man at all until they're born again wouldn't be true. I mean, God even hardened Pharaoh's heart and worked in his life. So, you know, I believe God can work in humanity, but it's not out of a real relationship with him. It's out of his sovereignty working in moments as pleases him versus me being his son and his daughter living in a relationship with him because I have believed. This is why so many people have a difficult prayer life. They don't pray out of faith. They're calling upon whom they've not believed. And it's hard to believe if I still want to live in sin and not put my trust in God and put my trust in myself. How many times have I met people where I said, you should really give your life to the Lord? They say, I still have time. You ever heard that? I still have time. You know, someday I'm going to do that. I'm just not quite ready. I'm enjoying sin. I'm enjoying this life I'm living. I'm enjoying being my own God. I'm enjoying being in charge of my own decisions. And I don't really need to surrender to God, but I know that I should because I don't want to go to hell. So my hope is, as I live long enough to beat that rap, so I have enough time at the last few minutes to say my prayers, to say my vows, and give my life to God while I enjoyed my life my way. You ever met people that say that? Yeah, that's a lie. Because what if the devil takes advantage of that and does something to you before you get a chance to say your prayers? And this idea that I'll say my prayers when I'm good and ready? No, we need to call upon him and believe now. And it goes on to say, by the way, how will they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? I just want to say this to you. People have asked me from time to time, when are you going to create an outreach program? Can I tell you something? You are the outreach program. God created it when you got saved. When you gave your life to Jesus and repented and asked God to come live in your heart and for you to be his child and for him to forgive you of your sin, you know more now than anyone that's lost ever knows. If you've had a real encounter with God and you've been saved, I guarantee you, you know more than the person that hasn't. Even if you got saved last week, you know more than lost people. You right away get enlisted in the kingdom of God and are now able to tell somebody about Jesus. If nothing else, just tell him what he did for you. If you can't quote any scriptures, tell your story. I was lost. I was on my way to hell. The Spirit of God came to me. God spoke to me. Now I've been saved, and I've given my life to Jesus. My life has turned around 180 degrees. I'm going with God. So he says here, God's laws are not enough to make you like them. All right, let's look at this passage for a moment. This is a really scary verse that a lot of people would do well to read. This is the book of Romans, chapter 1, and this is talking about people becoming really depraved in their mind. Romans chapter 1, if you've never heard this in the Word of God, it's good to take a look at it. It says, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. Man, do we see that today? And in the same way, also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts, receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, their gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And here's the killer. And although they know the ordinance of God, And add to this that those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only keep doing the same thing, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now think about that for a moment. They know the laws of God. You know what that means? The ordinance of God, wherever you see that in the Bible, that means they know what the Bible says. The ordinance of God are the laws of God. So there are people 
that actually know what the Bible says. They've read it, and they know what it says, and they still choose all that other stuff. And instead of repenting and being delivered of it, they're at the Human Rights Convention applauding it. They should be celebrated. We should buy their music. We should, we should live their lifestyle. Knowing the ordinance of God does not mean it has changed you is the point of this passage. Those who defy God's laws and do not repent and do not turn away from evil are going to live under the judgment of those laws. It's just the way it is. I can't change that. You can't change that. God decreed it forever to be that way. When I didn't know Jesus, as much as I wanted to know Jesus, if I died, I was going to hell. I didn't know Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing, he said in John 15. The gospel is not a suggestion, one way to God. There is no other way to God. There is no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, there's only one mediator between heaven and earth, Jesus Christ. So, knowledge and approval are not enough. Agreement is not saving faith. So, that passage in the Gospel of John, let's take a look at that. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. Nicodemus is a religious leader. He's a ruler, a leading ruler of the Jewish nation. He is someone of high rank, and he has a private meeting with Jesus at night to have a dialogue about who Jesus is and who they think he is. It says in verse 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. By the way, I just want to say something about that. If there's anything the church right now needs is a deep enough prayer life and a deep enough devotion to God to be able to walk in supernatural power. Not power to show off and play games. The kind that heals people and delivers them and sets them free from hell's bondages. Sets people free from the effects that this world has put upon them that we all suffer from. I want to see the power of God come upon the earth in such a way that no matter what people think, they're going to have to deal with the fact that something just happened. And this can happen in a thousand little ways in your lives. Anyway, just saying. He said, Jesus answered to him and said, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter into a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus says, I say to you, truly, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. So, you're born the first time. You're born in amniotic fluid. You're born of water. You're born as a human being. You have a large portion of your body is made up of water. So you're born with a human body. You're born with flesh. But he says you got to be born a second time. Why do you have to be born a second time? Because the first birth you're born into, you're born into the sin all men are born into. It's the sin of Adam and Eve. Let me say this to you. Every single person that was ever born was born in sin and born lost. Nobody was born without needing Jesus. There's not one human being that was ever born in this world that did not need Jesus' blood to forgive them of their sin and to wash them clean of the unrighteousness they have both committed and that is imputed to them and imparted to them by being born a human being. 
So you're born the first time. He says, you got to be born the second time because the first time you're born dead. You're born as a sinner to commit sin and pay the penalty of it. This is why Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty of sin so that when I repent and believe in him, his life that was sinless and righteous forgives me of my unrighteous life and I stand in the same position to the Father that Jesus does through the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of the Son of God. So I have to be born a second time. For you to have a relationship with God, you have to be born a second time. And so knowing the Scriptures doesn't create the new birth. This guy understood things, but he did not know God. He knew something about the Bible. Jesus says, if you are a teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things, how is that in verse 10? I mean, he could see Jesus was with God. God's doing things through Jesus. He had that data up. So he knew something and approved of Jesus, but did not know Jesus. The story of King Agrippa in Acts 26, let's take a look at that. Verse 27. So Paul asked King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I wish to God that whether in a short time or a long time, not only you, but all those who hear me this day would become such as I am except for these change. So Agrippa, this Roman leader, apparently knew the prophets and believed them. What are the prophets? Well, the New Testament was just really starting to get written. So the only Bible Paul knows at this point and the world knows is something called the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is made up of the law and the prophets, the the Psalms and the history books. And the prophets make up a large portion of the Old Testament. So what he is really saying to Agrippa is, Agrippa, I know that you believe the Bible. That's what he's saying. Do you believe the prophets? Do you believe the Holy Scriptures? I know that you do. And he says, in time, if you keep going, I might become a Christian. So here's a guy who knows what the prophets say, that they all prophesied that a Messiah was coming. That's not a small subject in the Old Testament. That's why they kept saying to John and to Jesus, are you the one, are you the one? Why? Because they were expecting a Messiah. So King Agrippa, if he understands the prophets, knows what's going on here. It's not like he has some major oversight. It's a huge portion of the the prophetic scriptures. And so here it is. He approves of them, and he believes them, but he's unwilling to become a Christian. Why is this important? There are all kinds of people who read the Bible, think it's a good book, and even believe parts of it. Speaking of founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson had his own Bible, and he took scissors to it and cut whole sections out of it he didn't like. So he had his own personalized Bible cut up by his own mind to eliminate things that offended him, namely stuff that demanded repentance and that you know Jesus to be born again. Uh, He thought Jesus was a good teacher. He thought it was a good book. But when it came to being a Christian and truly being born again, he stopped there and goes, I'll cut those parts out of my Bible. Why did he do that? He thought they were good, but he didn't want to go as far as conversion. So I'm grateful God used him to insert scriptural truth in the founding of our country, only had he gone far enough to actually be born again. Now, where he ended his life, only God knows, and I can't be the judge of that. I hope he's in heaven today. But he's a great example of somebody who picked and chosen things in the scripture he liked and didn't like. Agrippa is that kind of guy. I believe, but I'm not going to become a Christian. We must decide and trust Jesus personally. Let's look at that, John 1, 12. 
But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now here's a wonderful thing about this. When you come to God and cry out and say, Lord, I have been a sinner. I have been an evil person. I was born in sin. And even on my best day, I cannot be perfect and I fall far from your perfection. And I am just flat out of ability to ever be pleasing to you based on my own humanity only. And this is why I need to be born again out of my first death and to be born a second time into new life. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and to take it all away and to bring your blood and clean me, the spotless Lamb of God, and wash away all of the sin I have committed up to this point and even for the rest of my life, for the blood of Jesus to wash away all of it and for me to become clean in your presence and to be embraced into your kingdom as your child through really knowing you, through believing in you. He gives them the right to become God's children. Now I want to encourage you in something. No matter how bad your week is, no matter how bad your life is, no matter how bad your year is, if you are God's child and you've been born again, you have everything. If you look in world history, the persecution against Christians in the church, people right now, all over the world, suffering and dying, being put to death with the sword and by execution, starvation, because simply they are Christians. As awful as that is, those people that have been born again, the Bible says it's momentary light affliction and soon will be in the eternal weight of glory. And I need to remember that whatever I go through, I have been born again. I am God's child and that soon I'll be in heaven with God. And so whatever I'm facing now is nothing in comparison to what I'm going to get to live in. But the last thing I'm going to do is surrender what God gave me now and pay for eternally to save my skin or to save my humanity. How many of you think that's true? How many of you are glad you're God's child? Right? The worst that can happen to me is they could take my life. I'll be in glory in a hot second. And I'll be in the presence of God, and I'll be with him forever. The Bible says um, in John 3, 16, right? Anyone know that passage? God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. All right, so the word believe there is to believe into him, not just believe things about him. See, we have a mind, and we can add things up and have an intellectual understanding, an intellectual embracing of ideas and think, yeah, I think I understand the plan. We're all sinners. Jesus died. We needed to be saved. Yeah, I get all that. There are really famous uh, clinical psychologists right now who can explain the gospel uh, very well and don't believe in it. They actually can recite the scriptures and lay out the whole narrative as one of many, and they're actually very good at quoting it and can explain it, though they don't believe in it. So they can quote John 3.16. I've heard them do it. But the thing is, is that they don't believe it. They don't believe into God. They just understand it and believe that uh, it has some good content. 
And this is where it's different. It's not an intellectual assent. It's a surrender of my heart. It's giving God all of my life. It's giving God all of my affection. It's giving God all of my words. It's giving God all of my energy. And it's not a religious duty of, well, you know, I better line up my P's and Q's. No, it's like, God, I love you, and I have been saved, and your spirit now lives in me, and the power of the Holy Ghost is living in me, and I am God's child, and I am in you, Lord. I believe into you. I'm coming with all I've got to repent. And repentance, by the way, is not something we just do one time. It's a lifestyle. It's like, Lord, I am constantly forgetting what lies behind, and I'm reaching forward towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm constantly reaching for you, Lord, and things that I need to let go of, then I let them go. Repentance, if I could say it this way, isn't because we're bad. Repentance is because God is good. What does that mean? Right? Repentance is because God is good, and he's always extending a new thing to us. So the word repent, I'll just throw this out for free. It means to repent, re-pent, compound word. It, pent is where we get like mountaintop, like a penthouse, right? A point. So in the Bible, altars often were at mountaintops, okay? Moses met God on the top of a mountain. It's the Sermon on the Mount, What was going on there? They were going up to the high places. They were leaving the world behind, so to speak, to seek God. So to repent is to return to the place where things started, to return to where it began. So for the law in Moses and the children of Israel, God told him when he met him at the burning bush, bring all of the Israelites back to this mountain and worship God at this mountain where I met you at. So to repent is to return to the high place, to return to God. So what happens if you've been serving God 20 years and you get chewed up and not good things are happening in your life? Repent. Return to the high place. Go back towards heaven. Go back towards God. Return. Re-go to the place where God met you and embrace him again because the devil and hell itself are going to fight against you for the rest of your life to get you off track, confused, under delusions, and in the weeds to try to get you to forfeit your own born-again experience. The devil cannot take your born-again experience, but he can talk you into forfeiting it yourself. He talked Adam and Eve into forfeiting their perfection. He can talk you into stuff. But I tell you this much, if sin is pursuing me and I'm struggling with it, I'm going to lay on my face and go, God, forgive me. Is it because I'm lost now? No, it's because condemnation needs to be broken and I need to be reconnected to the Lord. Sinfulness The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, hardens the heart. Sin doesn't make God walk away from you. It makes you walk away from him. It hardens your heart till you start withdrawing. Repentance is the reconnect. God's been waiting all day. He hasn't gone anywhere. He hasn't become dark towards you, hardened himself towards you, become distanced. He's right here the whole time. It's us through the darkness of sin and the condemnation of it and how the devil works on us that pushes us back where we resist him. But if I'd repent, I'd say, you know what? Somehow I didn't do well here. Lord, I didn't do well here. And I come back and own it, and I repent, and I believe into God. Salvation's working because the devil can't separate me from him. So understanding, approval, and trust must be present for conversion. Not just understanding, not just I think it's good, but I put my trust. I transfer my trust from my own human flesh, from this own world system, into God's love, into God's power, into Jesus' blood. And that's how I stand before him. Amen?